Welcome to the fire. Welcome to the fire, boys. My name is Parker McDonald. And I'm Walter Lee, and we'll be your hosts on this episode of the Southern Collective Hunting Podcast. If you're a new hunter trying to learn the basics, or you're a veteran woodsman just trying to get through your workday, there's always a place at our campfire for you. Speaking of the fire, we would love it if you guys would join our growing Patreon community and be a part of the best and only digital deer camp south of Mason Dixon Line. Come on. If you'd like and learn more, click on the link in the show notes. But for now, Walt, welcome, welcome to, to the fire. fire. Welcome All back. right, everybody, welcome back to the Southern Collective <laughs> Hunting Podcast. <laughs> I am your host, Parker McDonald. The jo- host. The host. Jo- joined by the co-host, Walter Lee. <laughs> we got to keep that in there. 100%. Um, um, no, man, dude, what a great podcast with Jordan Bars today. That was just killer. Passion. Like if you had, if you had to put, if you had to put a word on it, I've been, you know, as you go through the podcast, we, we obviously do our intros after we do the podcast because we need to make sure what we're introducing is, is what happens. And that's not always the case. Uh, and so as I'm going through things, I'm a gist guy. I'm like a 10,000 foot 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 view guy. Uh, and that is one passionate joker. I mean, he is just all in on wild Turkey. He's all in on having the, the, the deepest interaction he possibly can. And, uh, man, whenever you're on the brink of turkey season and you're talking to a passionate veteran turkey hunter, son, you ain't sleeping the night that night. I'm telling you right now, I'm just going to keep editing tonight, keep crushing some coffee. Cause I mean, nothing productive is going to happen for me. Dude. Absolutely. It's one of those things where, um, you know, we're in the, we're in the tail end of deer season right now. And we just finished up our first or our first Southern collective, uh, Patreon hunt. Yep. Um, in Florida this past weekend, and we had a heck of a time. Um, except for the last part of it was a very unfortunate <laughs> man. We're going to talk I'll about tell that you what, the dude. podcast. You don't have to process that now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm ready for turkey season. Yeah. I feel like the, I feel like the pattern of a shotgun really offers me a lot of grace mm-hmm. in, in what, and that's what I need right now because a, a small bullet apparently is, is not um, good for me. I, need I mean, a, you I never miss turkey pattern. ever, right? You haven't missed a turkey before. I'm not going to say anything, but I have, yes, I have missed plenty of turkeys. <laughs> um, and we're going to leave it at that because I'm not, I'm not a superstitious fellow, Walt. I'm really not. I promise I'm not. Just a little stitious. Uh, but for whatever reason. That is stitious. Like, <laughs> if you start saying it, you better be ready yep. to start missing. But um, I'm going to tell you a guy who misses a lot, and that's Jordan, because he's shooting at turkeys with a bow. Um, and I say a lot. Uh, he doesn't miss as much as I would. I promise you that. No. With a Lord bow. No. Um. But this dude is going out chasing turkeys with a bow mm-hmm. on the ground. I didn't know we had to specify that, but he is doing it on the ground <laughs> and uh, and doing it very successfully. And he's got a great YouTube channel, mm-hmm. Close Proximity. And uh, so anybody who's 
who's watched a close proximity video. That's who we're talking to today. But before we do that, we've got a few things we got to take care of today, right, Walt? Yeah, man, we got to thank the people who make this show possible. You know, you mentioned the Patreon hunt, and uh, this is the first time I can actually say that the details for the 2024, the very first hunt, the very first meet and greet that we're going to offer for the Patreon members is live. The 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 details are live on the Patreon website. I do not give y'all any of that information here because it is Patreon specific and we haven't had in the past people try to crash the party. Um, so if you're interested in gr- joining a group of 30 to 35 guys of variety, you know, varying turkey capacities, right? Uh, and, and, having a blast at, at with shenanigans and cutting up and some giveaways, a big meal. This is hunt camp. You guys hear us talk about community all of the time. We are down at the time we record this to 14 available spots. We opened up registration today, literally uh, this morning. And so uh, you guys need to, to jump on there. If you want to be a part of that, we are going to have a wait list just like we always do. Uh, and you guys can be a part, but I just want to say thanks to the patrons specifically a new member shout out, which is part of the benefits of being uh, a Patreon member, Andrew Mangles, Jonathan Connolly, Papa Mac. That's, that's, uh, that is uh, my Parker's. Dad. It's my dad. I got to say it. My dad's <laughs> supporting what I do. Thanks, dad. Appreciate it. And uh, Jason Mullet. Just want to say thanks to you four guys for uh, signing up to support the show. Um, with a with a smooth segue from that, uh, I know people are waiting on another round of hats. Uh, we've had difficulties with that. And Daniel Wentworth of Honeycomb Custom Calls is actually going to finish the hats that we have ordered. We have the hats. We have the patches. We have nobody to put them together, uh, but he's going to do it for us. So I'm going to ship those out to him this week. He's going to do them, and we're going to have them shipped by about February 20th. That was the deadline that I gave him, and he's going to get those back to me, and we'll be off to the races. So... Um, and Daniel's going to be at, at hunt camp with all of his custom calls. You can pick his brain. Daniel's going to be there with us, which is awesome. I don't know if I told you that Parker. Yeah, man, you told me that and I'm, I'm stoked. Uh, I've only got to spend one Turkey camp with Daniel. He's a mm-hmm. stinking cool guy. I would say to anybody who might be on the verge of joining the Patreon, uh, just join up for a couple of months mm-hmm. and, um, go to the, go to the Turkey camp. We got 14 spots left. I'd imagine by the time this podcast comes out, there will be less. Um, but join right now. Come to the turkey camp. I, I promise you it's not going to cost a lot of money to join just for a couple of months. And I would say this. You're probably just going to stick around mm-hmm. if you'll get involved and, and join the Marco Polo group and the Discord group and the digital deer camp that we've got. You're probably not going to want to leave. Um but, uh, yeah, dude, the, this, this hunt camp is going to be awesome. And, and I wish, I wish we could really just open it up to anybody who wants to be there because we have such a great time. I know, uh, but it, we got to cap it. it. It does have to be capped. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I do. I want to say, you know, from the bottom of our, of our hearts, the, the Patreon is the pulse of this whole thing. Yep, and uh, that I think that's one thing that makes the Southern Collective very unique. It is actually collective, and um, so we value those relationships. We value this time that we get to to hang out and and hunt together, and uh, we're gonna have a blast. But you know, we're talking about bow hunting turkeys, and um, you know, it, we don't talk about that a lot, and we don't have a whole lot of turkey podcasts where we can conveniently place a Bowtech ad, but we get to in this episode, Walter, <laughs> um, and. Funny enough, I believe you 
just joined Team Botech today. I did. Like, uh, you got your hat on three dude. hours ago. I know. I know. <laughs> I am holding a brand new blacked out Botech Carbon One X, and this thing is freaking sweet. Um, it's it's one of those silence. Things. Just silence. Yeah, just silence. Just a moment of 30 silence. Thirty seconds and of all. silence for it, this ad. It's it's one of those things where in life you oftentimes end up buying stuff and paying for stuff, and you don't ever feel like you're getting what you're supposed to for that money. Like you buy tires. Like I spent a thousand dollars on some really average tires. I'm like, where the where's the thousand dollars? Right? Like what what did I really get? That thing right there. That thing's bad. That thing is bad. Um, we've we've seen an uptick in sales in the inside the Patreon group of Botex. People have been listening to us and going and shooting those bows. I think I've seen uh, Joshua just got a new, yep, uh, a new Botech. Um, but a ding is his nickname as well. Um, but it, we're starting to see an uptick of that, and I think people are starting to see that value, and it's really cool. I told I told Botech the last time we talked to him, like, hey, people are really like digging what y'all are doing. What just keep it up, keep eliminating those friction points. They, we talked about it. it was the we on the last podcast bottomland lock, the cam lock, the didn't go twenty lock, all the different systems that they have built into that mode <laughs> yeah. make your life go easy. Um, it's an awesome setup, well, man. You know, Walter Jordan talks about um, being on the road a lot in this podcast, and and when you're on the road a lot, that means your your equipment is taking a beating a lot. And you mentioned friction points, man, dude. When you're traveling. And you got stuff just rattling around all over the place. Uh, It can kind of be tough on your gear. And the cool thing about the Bowtech is that it is so adjustable without a press, Um, especially these these newer models. I mean, they've got, like you said, you joked about it, but there's like 14 different kinds of locks on that thing that you can that you can adjust, man. And so, um, man, go check out the Bowtechs as as well as the Diamond Bows, you know, uh, if you are um, looking to, to get into bow hunting, I can't think of a better option than a diamond. Um, if you're looking for something that will absolutely exceed expectations for yep. the price that you pay for it, absolutely check out a diamond. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. On that same note, Walter, uh, Tether just released uh, a whole new line of, of things in that same category, in that, uh, that retail, um, affordable like super affordable category with the grit line of saddles. I spent all, all weekend this weekend hunting out of my workhorse and getting used to it so that I could tell people what I, what I believe are the, the, the pros of it, you know? Um, so I can actually have an opinion and, and I got to tell you, man, with some adjustability with some, uh, some TLC, you can get that saddle just as comfortable. And, um, and, and also, you know, this is a turkey podcast today. Uh, we would be failing if we didn't mention the N2 vest uh, that they got going on. Walter, I actually noticed you were wearing it this weekend, weren't you? Didn't you wear some this weekend? Like while we were scouting? I think it was your oh, scouting yeah. vest. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. my scouting vest. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I, I use that thing religiously. I, I really do. I'm going to use a duck hunting this year. I mean, honestly, to be completely candid with you, I'm going to put the bird bag on the back of it, and I can put my, my layers in there because I got a new layout boat. Uh, boat. We'll talk about that probably in the coming episodes, but I mean, you just, you you just, you have to love systems where you can spend that money 
and just continue to to adapt it to whatever your needs are. And that's my that's my run and gun scouting pack, man. It always has been for whitetail because I can put like six trail cameras in the hydration pack. I put my little pruners in the side and my stick on the outside. And if I need to hang a stick, you know, hang a trail camera, I got my stick right there. I mean, and then, you know, you come back home, you're like, oh, you're going to hunt from the ground, grab the pad, buckle it in. And now you got, you know, you walk in, you sit down and, and you shoot your deer. You know, it's just, it's an awesome, it's an awesome thing when you can take that money and you don't have a utilitarian item. Sometimes you just have to have that item that does a certain specific thing, but it's just so nice whenever you can buy something and it, and it benefits everything. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, dude, I, I'm having a hard time like, and this is, this isn't an ad for anything. This is just me. Um, sharing my, sharing my emotions and my feelings. <laughs> I'm having a hard time this week, um, concentrating on, on much. I, I mentioned earlier that the Patreon hunt, the very end of it sucked. I miss a buck or or hit a buck and didn't recover we're not really quite sure yet so that's been a, a hard thing to to try to get used to uh or to try to like walter you, you've missed deer before right you've missed deer turkeys oh, yeah. the next day the next week dude like it's hard it's hard to uh concentrate on really anything um mm-hmm. and then we just went off and made matters worse by talking to jordan barnes like you said passion and just really is going to get a guy fired up about a turkey. Um, and so now, like, I finally felt like I was getting over missing this buck. And I was like, okay, I got some downtime before before turkey season starts, you know, get some work done. Then we talked to Jordan. I know. And now, now I'm all fired up, dude. I know. I'm just all fired up. What the heck? It, it's It's the worst, man. It really is. It's one of those things where... And I said this on the podcast, I got like two weeks of extended archery season left for deer season and I plan on going and probably at gray light, I'll probably be really plugged in. I'm God forbid I hear a freaking turkey because this place I'm going is loaded with turkeys. If I hear a turkey, I'm going to get up and leave because I'm going to shoot the thing. I'm telling you right now, I'm just so click clicked in, uh, but I'm going to go and I'm going to be looking for fresh sign. I'm going to be looking for tracks. I'm going to pull some cameras and uh, one thing I'm going to do this year is I'm going to put a cell camera up at all the parking spots in the entry areas to it. I want to see how many people are really going in there and then how far they're going. I think it'd be very telling. So um, I kind of had some pressure problems last year where the same chucklehead for a PG term (laughs) Uh, chucklehead what the heck's a chucklehead well it was gonna be chuckle f so it, you know i just i put head <laughs> okay. on the end of it I, yeah yeah got it um yeah. I, I don't know how you can have a guy ruin so many hunts but he found a way every time to ruin it um so i just kind of want the same end- guy over and over again same guy coming in from same, the water oh the water God. access guy the water like, access the guy heck? with a 16 foot flat bottom carolina skiff if you're listening to this i hope you unsubscribe just for the record um but i mean he just no self-awareness <laughs> whatsoever um <laughs> But I, I, I'm going to adapt to it, right? Because there's still turkeys there. I just need to know where he's coming, where he's going from. I'm patterning him so that I can kind of, you know, better go about this. Um, and I'm probably going to have to be a little more aggressive. When they're on the roost and that's that gray light, I'm probably going to have to push in pretty tight. So I'm going to start that process, the, you know, the next two weeks. If I kill a deer with the Bowtech, I, I'll just be giddy with excitement. I know that and that Huff was back in there and he found a big scrape in an area that has historically had some big, big uh, 
buck sign in there. And I've got a camera that's been sitting there since August under some white oaks and this really clear trail that runs through the, the bedding area. So it'd be really cool to pull that camera and put eyes on whatever's been in that area. So Florida content coming y'all's yeah. way. Absolutely, dude. Well, do we have anything else before we get into this episode? No, nah, man. I think we've lost about 80% of the people at the 15 we'll minute mark. Yeah. <laughs> Let's send it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Up, Who was that? <laughs> oh, it was me. I just said, hey. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I just heard a noise. I couldn't tell what it was. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Southern Collective Hunting Podcast. We've got a uh, a unique guest today. We haven't, uh, we haven't really ever talked about this particular topic that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk to Jordan Barnes about bow hunting turkeys. Jordan, man, I've, uh, I've watched all your videos. I really appreciate what you do, man. You are absolutely crushing these turkeys these days with a bow. And, uh, I'm interested to pick your mind, Walt. Um, I, I, I don't even know where to start with Jordan. Cause like, I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around killing them with a shotgun and this guy's already moved on to a bow. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are guys who like make life hard because, they just want the challenge. And then there are guys who make life impossible because they want the challenge. And I feel like that's exactly what we're describing here. If you told me that the only way I could hunt a turkey is the Jordan Barnes way, I'd probably do it just because I want to chase turkeys, but I'm not going to do it very happily. I'm going to tell you that much right now. I'm going to, there's going to be a lot of cussing. None of my YouTube videos are going to be uh, editable. Parker's going to kick me off the squad uh, pretty quick, but yeah, man, Jordan, dude, appreciate you taking some time out here, even a man to, to talk with us. Cause I, I think, uh, I think what we're about to talk about, whether people want to take it to the extreme you are, I think they're going to learn some really important things along the way they can apply to themselves, even if they're using a shotgun. Well, I appreciate y'all having me. Uh, very humbling to, to be on here with y'all. Uh, I, w- I don't know about crushing turkeys, Parker, because I think I do a whole lot of missing errors, uh, losing errors, and 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 cutting the feathers off the top of his back more than I do putting them in the back of the truck. But it is, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's when it does work out and it, and I'm on the, the winning end and I stumble into, into success. It's uh, very humbling and it's uh, very emotional for me. And I think if anybody's watched any of my YouTube videos, this, this season, I'm putting out a bunch of stuff from last year. Those are probably some of my most emotional, you know, just raw, real emotions that comes from from that journey because there's so much just, uh, you're on the mountain and then you're in the in, in hell. And then you come back out of hell and you're back on the, you know, the, the Titanic feeling of being on the top of the mountain. So it's... You know, when it works out, it's great, but man, it's, it's very stressful and very, uh, it's rewarding though, um, when it does work out. Yeah, man. And it, here's the deal. It's rewarding for me, um, just to get to see a turkey some days. You know what I mean? Like I can remember a time mm-hmm. in my life when, when just seeing one was like, and, and, and I don't have to remember that far. It's still, uh, quite an experience, especially when you get to see a gobbler come in strut his stuff you know it's a you know what i'm talking about it's a magical moment that you get to watch take place and and i can remember a time when that was enough 
and and then you know killing turkey or two every season is like man i got to experience it a couple times and then you know now where it's just like i'm i'm chasing the season anywhere that i possibly can and i know you do a lot of the same thing but um you know i know what that means is you're doing that with a bow right you're you're going to a bunch of different states with a bow and I, I can guarantee you if I was doing that, it would take me a whole, a whole lot longer to try to kill a turkey in one of these states. Um, I'm interested to know just right off the bat on, do you have like an average number of days that it takes you um, to kill a turkey? Like, like you go to a place you know, and an average number of days. So typically, you know, there's been so many times, I mean, way, a lot of times I'll show up to a state, spend a tank of gas, figure it out, find the gobbler, set up on him, raw, like with nothing, just the bow and me, and I'll set up on him, and I'll get him right there, 30 yards, opportunity presents itself, and it doesn't work out, and then I got to keep going back to the drawing board, and and that happens to where I, I, if I had a you know shotgun, I would have shot the turkey the first day and been right on to the next state, like, you know, like that. So that happens a lot. Um, and that makes me have to keep, you know, figuring it out and changing things and figuring out how can I put this turkey in the truck. Um, and so that kind of makes it spread out a long time. So there's times where, I mean, there's plenty of times where because of that, I've, I've, I had to go to the next state and have to put that state back on the calendar for the next year. You know, that happens a lot. I've repeated, I don't know how many states I've hunted, a lot, almost, I've been to almost every state, and I've missed gobblers multiple in every state, just about. I mean, there's not many I haven't. So, yeah, it, it's, I don't know how many days. I'd have to look at, I've got some stuff personally for me that i take down like stats wise but i'd say i I had no clue how many days it's more than likely seven days or more i don't know how you really quantify that though yes if you took the turkeys that i if you took the states that i went to that i didn't shoot and then i had to come back the next year and then i didn't shoot and then i came back the third year and then i shot one and you put all that in there Lord knows, I don't know how many days. I really don't. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy, man, because you, you work a full-time job. I know you do. Um, yeah. Work a full-time job. You got a family. You know, like, like that's a big, huge commitment to decide. Yeah. To decide that you're only going to hunt them with a, with a bow. That's a huge commitment. Yeah. Well, I work in law enforcement, you know, eight, eight months out of the year. Basically, I made a deal with the sheriff where I work is basically, I, you know, hey, you need me outside of outside of March 1st to June 6th, you know, June 6th to, to February 28th, I'm your guy. I can work overtime. I can work any shift, you know, but don't call me pretty much <laughs> March 1st to June 6th. Don't, don't call me. And he's cool with that. So it works. It kind of works out. You're talking about that. Have y'all seen Inglorious Bastards? You remember that 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 point where uh, Brad Pitt's making the deal? And he turns to the other guy and he's like, "Would you take that deal?" 
that's a damn good deal. I'd make that deal. I'm sitting here thinking the whole time, like, <laughs> yeah. I need to go to my boss and say that exact same thing. Can you type out exactly what you said so I can walk in there and read it off the piece of paper? That's, I don't know. All the stars just look really aligned for me here lately in the last few years. So I've, I quit a job that I was making a whole lot of good money and, um, I didn't have the time to really hunt turkeys like I wanted to, like, in my earlier years, I, I was able to hunt a lot of states, you know, back in college and, and shortly thereafter. And uh, I kind of just really worked hard to transition my lifestyle back to being able to hunt a turkey as many days as possible uh, because that's where my passion is. So, and not just hunt them, but I'm really passionate about helping, you know, turkeys out. You know, I think we're, as people, as hunters, we're called to, or we're charged to really help the resource that we're hunting. And um, I partner up with Turkeys for Tomorrow. We've actually got a hunt raffle that ends tonight. But I'm just really passionate about helping turkeys, man, and, and making sure they're taken care of and making sure we make more of them. And, uh, yeah, that's my my two cents on that whole deal. Well, you, you have definitely um, taken that charge of helping the turkeys by – deciding that you wanted to just hunt them with a bow. I feel like I feel like that probably does help the population because uh Jordan Barnes with a shotgun might be uh <laughs> <laughs> might be conservation's worst yeah. nightmare. <laughs> but Jordan so so in that regard you mentioned, you know, back in college, uh hunting turkeys and stuff. When when did this change happen to I mean, I'm assuming at some point you you were hunting with a shotgun and you decided to switch to bow hunting them. Uh, if so, when did that happen? How'd that look? So that was, uh, 2014. I think I shot my first turkey, 1996. Uh, this is way back in the day when, man, it was like, you watch the old all stars of spring real oh, yeah. videos and the, and the mossy oak, uh, you know, the primos truth about hunting. I mean, I remember, I can remember getting back. Like my favorite thing was, getting back from school on a Friday at three o'clock and we were going to the video warehouse and I was, I got to rent, I could rent some Turkey VHSs. And then like, that's all I want to do is just watch turkeys and Turkey hunting all weekend. And then I, we were to turn the videos before we went to church or when we got back from church Sunday evening. Uh, and then like, yeah, that, that pretty much is where I started. That's where the bug kind of, it bit me. My dad never hunted at all, um, like ever hunt. He hunted like in college some, but he wasn't a hunter. He was a pastor, and that kind of renting the 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 DVD or the there weren't DVDs back then. It was VHSs. I'd rent that stuff and just ate up. I just got the turkey bug, and I had an old timer in the church that took me. He took me. I missed a gobbler my first year. I want to say that was 1994. And then my cousin took me in 95. I missed another gobbler. And I remember thinking, like, man, there's, I will never kill a gobbler. I will never take a wild turkey gobbler. It'll never happen. These things are, it's like mystical. Like, it'll never happen. I remember going to Walmart in the summer of 95. And I was like, I got to get me a diaphragm call because I saw some of these guys using one of these diaphragm calls. 
I remember going to the the hunting section at Walmart back when they used to have guns and stuff, which they don't now. But I got me a little HS Strut double recall. I bought it with my allowance or whatever. And then I took it out and was trying to use it. And the lady behind the counter, I asked her, I was like, well, how do you use this thing? And she was like, I have no clue. I don't know. And I was like, I can't believe I just bought my allowance with this $5 call and y'all don't know how to use it, you know. <laughs> I was so, man, I remember that. And I remember like feeding back off of what Parker was saying about just seeing a gobbler. I remember just hearing one was like, man, I made that turkey gobble. Like that was the whole lore was I made a turkey gobble. And that was just enthralling. And I was thinking like, man, I did that. I made the call and the turkey gobbled. And I got to the point where, man, it was pretty quick. It changed for me from 95 to 96. I remember it changed where I was like, man, instead of just making them gobble, I want to make them be in front of me. And that kind of is kind of where the gears started changing at an early age where I started kind of somewhat figuring out that I didn't, I needed to know when to not call, you know? And, um, yeah, it just, and it's been all, dude, what a moment. I remember that moment so well, like where I was like sitting, I went from sitting in a ground blind just cause that's what I thought you were supposed to do to like, I got to figure out how to like, there's like 14 turkeys gobbling and ain't none of them coming (laughs) to me. I got to figure out how to go. Is that a thing? I remember thinking to myself, is that what? Is that a thing? Like, mm-hmm. can you do that? Can you just go to <laughs> And yeah. I started looking up yeah. a whole bunch of stuff. And it's like, yeah, actually, it seems like that's the most effective way to do this thing. And uh, yep. yeah, I remember. And I also remember, I mean, I kind of feel like it happens every year where I'm like, I just ain't going to kill another one. I'm just never going to kill mm-hmm. one. It's too magical. I'm not going to kill one. I have that feeling every year. But definitely yeah. before I killed one, it was like, I don't know if this is ever going to happen. I might need to give this thing up. Um, yeah, but, but then like you said, there's a moment where you like, it switches and you're like, I, I don't know, call it a killer instinct, whatever you want to call it. Something switches in you're like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. Um, right. So that's cool, man. So tell me, tell me when, when the, I think you were getting at that, but when the, the bow kind of entered the picture. Yeah. So I hunted, uh, so 96, I shot my first turkey. I remember like it was yesterday. i have dreams about it sometimes but it was me and my dad dad i had a guy in the church he was taking me deer hunting in that same 94 95 time period and he was taking me deer hunting a bunch dad didn't deer hunt and um i was shooting some deer with this guy and dad started kind of looking at it and he was thinking man this guy is experiencing like pivotal moments with my son that i probably need to get a hold of that and be a part of it you know, cause I'm missing some pretty cool moments with my child. And, um, dad decided I talked him into joining a hunting club and, uh, we joined a hunting club with like 50 something other members. It was like maybe a couple thousand acres with everybody trying to shoot a turkey. And we went into this one block. I want to say the hunting club was in like, you know how it is. They're in like little zones or whatever. We were in zone gun to my head it was like zone 27a or whatever we signed into that zone it was some beautiful pines that needed a thinning really so they were clean underneath and there was a field on private to the north off the hunting club and we knew that there was turkeys in that general area from deer hunting and 
we got in there like the Friday before the opener and we went up into that pine plantation thinking the turkeys were in the field. And sure enough, we were just sitting there and I said, we need to just, let's just sit right here and listen in the evening. And we just sat there by a tree. I had some old Advantage Classic on <laughs> and me and dad were just sitting by a pine tree and those turkeys, I've never had this happen since, even with all the leafy and stuff, well, maybe once or so, but all of a sudden, all the turkeys came off the field and they walked right by us, like literally a foot from me, just sitting there. And they walked right behind us, went up to roost in the pines. And the next day, well, we didn't have Onyx. We didn't have Base Map. We didn't have Google. We'd have nothing. So we broke limbs and made lines in the sand how to get back in there the exact way we came in. <laughs> for the next morning's hunt, you know? And, uh, man, I remember we parked dad's old Chevrolet, followed our lines with the flashlight, got in there and Turkey started gobbling out in the pines. We set up in between them and the field. I just kind of figured, heck there, we saw them come off the field. They're going to the field. So we got in between them, made a few calls and didn't use anything. Just like we didn't use decoys back then because there weren't really, there was feather flex maybe. Um, but we didn't have anything. We just set up right there, called a few times in between them and the field. Here come two big old gobblers, came crested. And I think it was honestly a mistake. We didn't know, hey, you need to set up in the perfect spot. We just, it just all worked out where we were set up was right on the crest of that hill. And they dr spit and drummed, came right over that hill, shot my first turkey with a Mossberg 835, probably dislocated my <laughs> shoulder. And um, and the rest is history. I had my first gobbler, and from there, the, the wheels really started turning. I started hunting. You know, any tuck, there's a WMA WMAs around me where I could hunt when I started driving, and then the hunting club we were in, and yeah, just started turkey hunt with a shotgun and did that. Started traveling around college, um, and did that a bunch uh, for probably ten ten or more years. And then I got to the point where I was like, you know, I wonder, I wonder about this bow hunting thing because I started bow hunting deer in probably 2000, I don't know, seven ish or so. And that bug kind of always was in the back of my ear. Like, why don't you, you know, turkey hunt, but with a bow or something. And then, um, uh, anyhow, I just got to where I got to where I just, you know, I had shot some of the gun, and I just figured, man, I, I might want to try this with a bow. And I tried it, man, one time, and just luckily, it all worked out. On the very first time I bow hunted <laughs> a turkey, I roosted one, and it all worked out to, like, the T, which never happens. Like, it never happens that way. But the first bow hunt I ever did with the turkey— Turkey was gobbling off of this little sand logging road. I knew where he was. I was like, man, that's about perfect. I know exactly what he's going to do like the next morning. So I got in there and it worked out to the T and that really bit me. Like that, that's what screwed me up. Like if that whole first hunt, bow hunting turkeys did not work out, I'd have never been, I bet you I would have never been doing it. But that first taste of it, just like the level of adrenaline, the level of the experience was, it, it, it screwed me up. It jacked me up for like life.
so that's kind of that's kind of how it all transpired. It's funny that first moment for me was one of those I didn't deserve kind of moments. Whereas, like, if I could go back and listen to how badly I was calling, I didn't deserve to kill that bird. Like, I made every mistake under, uh, imaginable. But I remember sitting there with like this like tingly skin sensation, whether it was the adrenaline rush, the cool weather. Like, I will never forget that moment. It was a moment where it was like to hell with deer hunting to hell with all this, you know, like it was just, yeah. this is, this is yeah. life right here. So I can appreciate that sentiment. Mm-hmm. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Yeah. So, Jordan, um, that you said that was in 2014, right? Yeah, I want to I say it's 2014. So, 2014. You go out and freaking kill your first your first archery turkey on the first archery turkey hunt, um, and got probably a lot of false confidence. I can imagine out of that one time. How long did it take you to kill the next turkey with a bow? And if you tell me it was the next day, I'm gonna. No, no, it wasn't. Um, that was like the end. That was yeah. The, the next year, um, I I, just, I shot three. I mean, I've always shot my lemon in Georgia, uh, and then I. But I, but to get those three turkeys, like it would take me not long at all to shoot my three in Georgia back when the limit mm-hmm. was three. And then I would be taking people, you know, all around and be traveling a bunch and stuff. And then that first like full year bow hunting them, it took my whole entire first, like it took the whole season, probably most of the season. It took probably a month or so of hunting a bunch to shoot three. And it was always like that first couple, they would come pretty, pretty good, you know, like shoot one and then you screw up on a bunch and then you luck up and stumble into another successful hunt. And then that third one was like always the, that was like the, the thing that was so hard to like grass was the third turkey. Yeah. And it sounded like, it seemed like, that third one was just almost mystical, but then when you get that one, yeah. So it took it, it. It was very that first real year was very challenging. That's um, I, I can imagine, man. Like, like it's a whole new thing. Like I'm thinking about like, uh, you know, even even something like your shot opportunity. I, I've I've could probably point out most of my setups on a Turkey. And I don't know that I could have killed them with a bow in that same setup. So I'm assuming there's some pretty big changes with, 
that you had to figure out when it comes to the actual setup? Yeah, it did. And then like I started using a, I never used decoys hardly at all ever when I was gun hunting. And then I transitioned to bow hunting and then it was like, man, there's, I was, I didn't have the skill set that I needed to, to get the opportunities I needed at that time. So that first real season, I did this. It took me longer because I didn't use a full strut decoy or nothing. Now, when I ended up switching to a, I tried a full strut decoy and it was almost too easy. Uh, and that man, it was just like, it, it helped it up my opportunity as far as getting drawn. Cause they go behind the fan. There's a sign stimulus there. And at that point I got to where I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not using that anymore. And I, I used it at, at little spurts, like little periods throughout the next five or so years, maybe. I don't know how to look at a calendar, but it was after I had already beat the turkey multiple, multiple, multiple times. And I was struggling bad. And um, I would just put it out there and it, and, it, and it worked. And then I was like, yeah, this probably ain't for me. I'm going to go back to to where I've transitioned over the years from when I started, you know, gun hunting them with nothing but a vest and a shotgun. And then I started bow hunting them. Then I started using a hen and a Jake decoy. And then I used the strutter some. And I was like, man, that's really working. But I just didn't feel right, maybe. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to, like, get on here and, and say that's like the spawn of Satan if you use a strutter decoy. But it's just not for me. Um, and so the happy medium for me now is I start every turkey with just my bow and I try to beat him a couple times. Let me, I want to, I want to interrupt you right there. Cause I've heard you say it a couple of times. Um, yeah. you say beat him, you want to beat him. What, what is the, what does, what's like the qualifications for beating him? Uh, although you, he's not dead yet. You know what I'm saying? Just, just get him within 40, you know, 30, 35, 30, 35, 30, right around 30 to 35, 40 yards. If I can get him to there, um, you know, and get it and he shows his head, then that's, that's pretty much wherever I could have shot him and killed him with a shotgun. Okay. That's, pretty that's much the beat. threshold. If you could have shot yeah. him with a shotgun, you're saying, okay, I beat him. Um, I have. I get that. I mean, I feel that way a lot of times when I miss a deer, when I miss a buck, you know, I yeah. feel like I beat him at his game. I just failed. Mm-hmm. Right. I failed my part. Right. Um, right. And, and and it doesn't sound, I. it would be even hard to call that failure on your part. Uh, when you get him into that kind of range, it's just so much more difficult to try to get drawn back yeah. rather than raising a gun. You know, it's a different yeah, thing. It's, yeah. It's really the draw. I mean, the draw is everything. And then, I suck. I'm not a good shot. Like I'm working on that. <laughs> like I've, I went to, I don't have any affiliation with serious archery at all in any way, shape or form, but I went and just dropped like 500 something dollars on 15 areas because I was like, man, after this whole last deer season, I had a hundred high fifties, low sixties, 10 pointer at 20 yards. And you know, was using a crappy release that I should have had no business ever using, but it, I shot it good for some reason. So I was like, cheap release. I shoot it well. I'm just going to keep shooting it. One of the seat pins in the release was loose. 
the, the giant that I'm after, Illinois, with a hundred other people after the same deer, he comes out, I go to shoot the deer, and the release pin, as soon as I put tension on the string, the arrow just falls to the deer's feet. Oh, no. And then I get another arrow, thinking, I don't know what happened. Panic mode, same thing. Arrow falls to the deer's feet, the deer runs off. And so, crappy equipment, I just had a come to Jesus meeting this year. I was like, man, I'm going to have the best the best bow in my mind that I could use, the best string on that bow, the best arrows I can have that are spine aligned by mm-hmm. the company, the right the right spine for the exact setup that I'm going to shoot at a turkey, the right broad hit, like the right everything. I want to make sure that it's on me and me only and not the equipment. And that's like probably one of the most important things I think to to archery is making sure you have the right the right stuff. So let's let's talk about yeah. well actually go ahead Parker. No you're good. Well you talked about having the right stuff. Like when I think about what you're doing it's it's so niche that there isn't a there isn't a guidebook, right? Like there isn't a you know a Google search. Well maybe there is now cuz you've been doing it so long. You've probably influenced others and and now there's probably a little bit of a a thing there but like when you're going through this process you know, there, I, I imagine there wasn't a support system of like, Hey, this is what you need to do to kill turkeys. And so can you kind of talk about the gear that you use to, to kill turkeys or set up for concealment and, and, and kind of what you learned in that process? Okay. So there's one guy that kind of told me, you know, he had had a lot of experience with, with bow hunting turkeys. And basically, you know, what, what, what he told me is, you know, you have to have, there's these have tos, you know, what I was taught, what I was told more so than taught. I was told you have to have a full strut decoy. You have to have this. You have to have a ground blind. You got to, you know, all this stuff. And, and me and my, maybe I'm just a rebel, but I just don't, I, I lean back to like my roots of like, no, I don't know about that. You know, I just kind of had to kind of figure it out myself because there's no right way or wrong way. I'm not trying to say that. It's just like for yourself, you have to delineate. You have to delineate. You have to come up in your own mind the way you want to do something. And you have to kind of through trial and error kind of figure all that out. I don't know if that answered your question or anything, but I, I kind of got it to, okay, I could see where having leaves on a bow would probably help because it's breaking out your outline. Um, but I want to kind of, I want to set up, it's all about really the setup. You know, if you're, if all you ever do is just go sit in a field um, and stick out a bunch of decoys, then maybe, you know, the setup is not as important. There's different aspects to setting up in a field, you know, um, but it's all about the way you're going to do it. You know, it's all about the way, the way you're going to approach it. There's, it's like a plug and play almost, you know, there's all different kinds of strategies there. And I'm more so of, I want to go to the Turkey. I want to learn as much as I can about the Turkey. That's why I climb trees. A lot of times when I'm hunting, you know, I want to, I want to almost every gobbler is a Rubik's cube. Okay. Is the way I look at it. And I'm trying to just crack the code on each particular gobbler. And the way to crack the code is to, read that gobbler's demeanor through his his audible cues and his visual cues 
as you're watching that turkey, like if I can watch that turkey and see his head and I can see the colors change and I can see his demeanor, then I can kind of formulate a way to crack the code. And it's the same way with hearing him. You know, if he's gobbling, I'm trying to communicate right back to him. So I could paint a picture for him. I could not have a decoy at all, but I could paint a picture for him that there's a Jake and some hens over here. It's the same as having a Jake decoy and some hens out there. Um, so it's, it's all kind of, you know, you're reading the demeanor. Like if I see him out in the field and I climb a tree and I can see him, that's as good as hearing him gobble. Because I can call to him and I can look at his demeanor of his head. And I can look when he puts his head down, I can call to him and see how often does he pick his head up. How often is he going around that he puts his head up? That's telling me, okay, this, this turkey's putting his head up and looking every three times a minute. Then I got his, in the back of his mind, I'm, I'm opening the door. You know what I mean? If he's, if he's not popping up and looking every once mm-hmm. in a while, then I'm, I'm not in his, I'm not in his head yet. But if I can get in that head, and then all of a sudden, I'm saying some stuff to him, and I'm Jake Calkin on the back of some hen yelps, and then he's, you know, looking. Then I know that gobbler's interested, even though he's strutting away from me. But then he's turning. If I just don't call or nothing, all of a sudden, he's turning. So it's the same kind of, it's playing it out. It's just cracking that code. Uh, it's kind of the way I look at it. That's kind of the way I perceive it. Every gobbler's kind of like a puzzle. Yeah. So when it comes to, like, like cover where you're setting up. I'm, I'm imagining you're probably going to have to have uh, some amount of cover more so than I would have to have with a shotgun. I typically just, I mean, I try to have cover whenever I can, but sometimes all you got is just a big old oak tree and you're just sitting on the base of it. And that is your cover. Um, that's probably not the same when you're bow hunting them. Correct. Correct. It's a uh, Parker. Yeah, correct. It's, it is, um, I guess the difference Bare bones, the difference in a, in a bow and a shotgun is when that turkey first appears, typically, if, if you can't shoot him the second he first appears in the woods with a shotgun, then, then you were set up wrong. All right. So with a bow, the second he first appears, the hunt just gets started because I've got to get drawn on the turkey and I've got to, convince him that he needs to keep coming another 10 or so yards to where he can go behind a tree to where I can draw and then I know where my shot's gonna be um and I've changed some stuff up I'm changing stuff up this year because for years I shot a single pin because I want to just you know foolproof one pin turkey's in range put the pin on the turkey shoot the turkey uh this year you know, I changed to the serious stuff and I'm going to go to a two pin site. And the thought process behind a two pin site is okay. No affiliation with spot hog, but let's just say I got a spot hog site that I'm, I ordered. I'm going to have a two pin. It's a three pin site. I'm going to take one pin off of it. It's got a red pin, a red dot pin and a green pin. I'm going to move the red dot pin down to close range. So I know that's sighted in zero to 25. I can put the pin, the turkey's within 25. I can put it on him, 25, right on him. I don't have to adjust up and down, nothing. Full, it, should be, it should be acquisition, thought process, red, close, shoot the turkey. Green pin, 
sighted in for 35 dead on. And I know if that turkey's 30, he's on out there a bit, then I can just put it on him, shoot the turkey. So that's really the difference is you got to get drawn, number one. And when the turkey shows up, number two, the hunt really just starts. Are you using, and, are you using any kind of like, uh, like camo netting or like you mentioned ground blind, they have the, what's that one that has the mirrors all around it? Uh, the ghost blind, no, anything like that? No, no blind, no blind at all. Um, you know, the turkey's main defense is his eyes. Mm-hmm. So my thought process is, you know, I, I just don't, for, for me now, this is, I'm saying this for me, for me, I don't feel like it's right to take away his main defense. In the end of the day, I don't feel like it's right to take away the turkey's main defense. That's the whole challenge is to let him use his main defense. And then you're trying to take the turkey with him using his main defense. So I just use a leafy suit. Um, use a leafy suit. I got leaves on my bow to break up the outline. And you made a good point, which is where you're talking about you could just set up by an oak tree. The turkey appears, you could shoot him. With a bow, I'm looking at the factors that I'm looking at are I've got to have good back cover. I've got to have something to break up the outline of the back. If you set up with a bow and you're setting up with a bow, no blind, you have got to think about like the back cover. So you're, even though I've got, you know, ivy on my bow and I've got a leafy suit, I've still got to be thinking about, am I silhouetting myself or am I blending in? So I've got to pick, and I've had times where plenty of times, if I, if I, a turkey's coming and I'm calling to him and we're about to meet in the middle and I can't find the, the, like the right spot, the spot to set up on that turkey and it's not happening, I will run away from that gobbler. I will run away from him and leave him and try to go back to the drawing board while he's still gobbling. He's hot. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, I got to find the spot to where it's going to be beneficial for me where I feel like I can get a shot. Whether I'm put, whether I'm going to put a hand decoy out or, or use nothing at all. It's all about, you know, it's all about the setup. Turkey hunting's about the setup, really, no matter what you're using. If you're hunting them that way, it's all about, all about the setup. How, how long did it take you to tweak the, the leaves on your bow? That's one of the things that has always wigged me out. Um, I'm just being honest here when I say that, like the idea that there's leafy things around my limb or around my string cables and all that stuff. Have you ever gotten, had that get in the way of like a shot? It's funny you said that. I was in Ohio in 2018 or 19. Went up there for a, had a little bit of time. Went up there, drove like nine hours up there, marked a WMA, roll out there. All of a sudden, found the turkeys. I was like, oh, this is it. Missed a gobbler. Then the same day I missed the gobbler, I go to another spot where I found some gobblers. And there was like this, picture this, you park off the road, right? And then you walk by these trailers. And then you go back, way back here on this road, about a half a mile, and it comes to this private land field. There's like a private land field that runs a mile back here, and there's public right beside it. The day before, I had seen a gobbler almost a mile in the private field, right on the line of public, way back there strutting. So I was thinking, well, he's somewhere around there. There's no way he'll be anywhere close. 
So I walks over there after I missed the turkey thinking it's, it's over. I screwed it up. And I walk around there. I come around the bend. There was a bulldozer on private right on the line. And I come around the bend. There's a gobbler right by the bulldozer. The same gobbler I'd seen is all the way up there right next to the public. You know, y'all hunt, y'all hunt the government land. You know how it is. Like you find that gobbler. He's where he needs to be for you to pull him off to come right in. And I dropped back in the little tree line of the field, 50 yards from the turkey. He had like six hens with him. Called a couple times. Here he comes. Comes right off of the private, right on the public. I'm tucked up inside the woods. I go to draw my bow. And as I roll into the valley of the bow to get the sight ready on the turkey, slow strutting and coming towards me to look, the leaf on my on the bow, <laughs> it goes right over the whole entire site. <laughs> so, like, what do you Cry. do? I just tried to point, point shoot the turkey and shot, like, two <laughs> feet over him. So, I've learned to make sure I take zip ties and make sure anytime I draw, that's a great question, is make sure that nothing is moving on that bow with, with the ivy. Yeah. It seems like it seems like it works though. I mean, like uh, you uh, you post pictures. The pictures you post when you kill a turkey you usually have the bow set up there next to it or, or with you or whatever. Uh, I mean, and it's it looks like it's pretty pretty effective. It also, looks like it could be just even more effective in breaking up your whole outline. Um, yeah, you know, at that angle where you're where you're faced towards that turkey, those vines kind of break up your whole outline as well, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. are you typically shooting them in the sitting position? Like, are you on your knees? Are you like Indian style? How do you, how do you do that? Yeah, it depends. Like if I call it bobcat and turkeys. Um, so if, if I'm set up on a turkey, right, I typically, I'm going to sit on the ground. I'm going to sit my butt on the ground sideways, 90 degree angle, you know, and I'm going to be facing the turkey like this mm-hmm. with my my legs facing kind of 90 degrees from the tree I'm sitting on and I'm going to face the turkey because I'm trying to hug the contours of the tree that I'm on, right? Um, you know, I'll follow a gobbler and when I'm, when it's not working out and I just want to go to the gobbler and try to just, just put him, trying to put him in the truck, I'll go after him and I call that bobcat and turkeys where I'm just aggre- very aggressive like times 1000 just going to him um and i a lot of times yeah i'm standing trying to when i'm doing all that i'm standing a lot of times so it just really depends just using the using any structure you can to get into positions and a lot of times sometimes standing is your only shot when you're doing that um you know when you're dealing with thickets and and things of the like so and that would be that would be standing like behind a tree type deal, like where you uh, you said bobcat and kind of kind of get in there and you just call basically calling him while while you're standing up behind a tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah because he's going and he's moving through stuff with hens or something, or he's going to a particular strut area that he turkeys, you know, so similar to bucks in the fact that in the winter. All the gobblers are together because they're all a family and they're all buddies. But once the testosterone levels start to peak upwards, they start to fight and figure out who's the, who's the man of the area. Same thing with bucks. And, and, you know, you know, as well as anybody, Parker, 
uh, you know, the bucks in the summer, they're all together. You know, they're all buddies. But once those testosterone levels start to rise, they ain't friends anymore. Turkey's so so similar, but they're so different in the fact that, got, like, bucks, they're going to use that topography to, to stay hidden. They're going to use it to scent check spots they know that are going to pull scent, and they want to be out of the way. Gobblers, they want to be seen and heard. He wants to everyone to know he's the king of spring. He wants to be seen and heard. So it's the the way in which they traverse. Like I could look at stuff that's like South Florida, where it's very low. You could be inches in elevation change that change in where Turkey's going to be, or in South Georgia, where it's mere feet that dictate where he's going to move. I could look at a pine stand on some stuff around here, and like a turkey I shot. Uh, a couple years ago, there's a gobbler. It was open pines, stuff that needed to probably be thinned. And he was gobbling 400 yards from where I was on the road. But I knew where he wanted to mm-hmm. be. So I just went to where the turkey wanted to be. And I called, I, I moved 100 yards from where I was going to set up and called. And the turkey gobbled. And I didn't say another word. And I just sat on the little tiny slight. I'm talking about a, a feature like this in pines where it was a tiny slight ridge where I knew that turkey was going to swing where he could be looking off the left and the right when he came out in this little little food plot the state planted. And I knew he could see down one side and both sides, and it put me right in that thing. And that's where the turkey, he obviously saw me somehow in a bush of uh, sweet gum, not moving <laughs> at all. With the ivy on the bow, how that turkey saw anything that wasn't right, I don't know. But some of them are like that. But yeah, that's pretty much how I look at it. How often? How often do you feel like you shoot and miss with a like? What's your ratio of missing to killing? Because it feels like with a bow, your margin for error is so small. Obviously, we've been talking about this the whole time, right? Do you feel like it's a, a one to four, one to five? I mean, if it if you come to full draw, do you, is there like a confidence level that's kicked in at this point? There's no confidence. There's like no confidence in this game, man. Like I have no confidence. Like I, it, like honestly, going into each spring, the start of each spring is the most nerve wracking time for me because I literally feel like I will never shoot another one. Um, there, there's no such thing as confidence in this game. Uh, man, it used to be for every ten gobblers I called up and got an opportunity i would shoot one and i've it's kind of varied from year to year Mm -hmm. you know what i mean some years are really good and then it's like one out of every seven and then some years it's bad and it might be one out every 13 or 14 and i'm just trying to learn what can i do to lower that number the best i can um and I'm still learning, man. I'm learning every day, trying to what can I do to try to make sure I increase my odds a little bit the way I like to do it. Um, yeah, I'm making changes every year. It seems like I'm trying to figure out this is the two pin sites, the thing this year. Like maybe that's, that's what I'm missing that's going to help me, you know, site acquisition. Don't have to adjust for how far he mm-hmm. is and know, okay, that turkey's within 35. I'm just going to put that, that green pen on him and let it go. Um, so 
Yeah. I'd say um, the question you asked is how many. I mean, there's the funny thing is there's a lot. I got to get better about this, but there's so many times I call up a gobbler and I got all this footage and I just, I'm so pissed off that the turkey got away and what happened that I just like format the cards and just don't even show it. I'm like, I don't. I'm like, I don't want to have to relive this again. So I'm not about to go spend eight hours. You know how it is, Parker and Walt. I'm not going to go spend 12 hours showing everybody this failure and reliving it again over and over through editing. So I just like, I wipe it. And that happens like that. That happens probably way too often. I need to quit doing that. I just need to just show what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just, and just live with it because I don't think it does the justice to, to what what the the what the task is i think i'm kind of cheating the task maybe i should probably just start showing it all but i don't you know, know jordan people comment things i see this all the time in our youtube comments i'm sure you've seen it in yours where people say things like, or, or just on facebook say something like man I, I just love seeing the raw real hunting and then the first time you post raw, real hunting, they're up in there like, <laughs> "How dare you, never, you? You don't ever need to pick up a gun again, or you don't ever need to pick up a bow again. You need to learn how to shoot." Sorry, son of a gun. <clears throat> blah 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 blah. Yep. It's tough, man. When like I, I posted a video. Yep. I posted a video last, uh, um, back in August, of a deer that I shot. Uh, backwhacked him with a with a rifle, and made a terrible shot on the deer and ended up having to call dogs. Long story short, the tracker, uh, stuck him. Once we got to him, he stuck him. And then the deer got up and like, we were, we were standing there waiting for him to expire. And I had my camera running and was just kind of tossing it back and forth. And the deer ended up getting up and running another, you know, 150, 200 yards jumped off of a bluff. The dogs had to recatch him. It took him another 10 minutes to die. Anyway, I had to, I, I showed it in the video because it was so crazy and, yeah. and, and it was nuts, man. Like it was such a cool, not a cool thing, but it was a unique thing that doesn't happen a lot. And you get to see in this video exactly how tough a buck is, mm -hmm. especially during the rut, what that testosterone do, does to him. And man, yeah. I've had to comment so many times on that video of people, you know, saying basically that, like, we don't want to see that. That's not, that's not hunting. That's blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, dude, like, you don't understand. Like it hurt my feelings that it happened to that buck. And I didn't show it because I thought it was funny or that I thought it was, right. that I thought it was awesome. I thought it was, right. um, it was interesting and something that people could learn from. Mm -hmm. And that's what I know you are the same way, Jordan. Like when you show those real raw, honest moments, it's because not because they make you look great. <laughs> it's because maybe somebody else can learn from those things um, and learn from those mistakes. And, and maybe that mistake doesn't happen to them. That's uh that, that's what I always feel like the intention of that kind of stuff is when I watch something, similar i watched somebody screw up majorly and you're like why would you ever put this out about yourself but that's it right yeah you know i i, I to totally understand that and man um you're you're doing it for the right reasons you know like there's plenty of channels out there that they're showing the slow motion shots with the blood splatter and all that stuff and it's obvious 
to decipher that these people are doing it because it's going to gain them more likes and, and views because people, at the end of the day, there's some people out there that I just, for the life of me, don't understand why, what's going on up here that that processes that, that thinks that's awesome to see something mm-hmm. suffer. Um, but like for me, my filming setup, you know, I could go get a better camera and, or I could take, I could emphasize the actual era going into the animal with slow motion to show all that. But for me, it's a respect thing, right? Um, I owe that animal so much because that animal gave me its life. And I take that very seriously. That animal gave up its life for me. So what I want to do is respect that animal in every way, shape, or form that I possibly can. And I want to show that animal in the best of ways. I want to show them in the best of light. And so for me, I don't want a bunch of guys sitting on the internet getting their jollies off of a slow motion shot or animal suffering, you know, uh, I want to show it in a, I show a GoPro where you can't really see. I mean, I'm just showing the shot happens and you can kind of see where I hit, but you're not seeing all the goryness of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and that's, I make that choice because of what I feel about a wild turkey. Um, and would I, would it probably get more views? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I would, you know, use something more high tech, but that's just not nothing I'm interested in. You know, I just want to, I want to show that turkey in the best light. As soon as I shoot that turkey, I want to get to that turkey. I want to grab him by the head. I want to not show this, but I want to jerk up on his neck. Turkey's dead, like not mm-hmm. right then there. I'm getting to him as fast as I can. I don't want a turkey flopping around a bunch, even though I know I got him and he's going to die. I want to put him out of his misery as soon as possible. It doesn't matter if somebody's shooting, in my opinion, it doesn't matter if they're shooting TSS or lead shot. I've shot him with lead shot for a year. I never shot TSS. I always shot lead shot, but I shot plenty of turkeys that didn't move after I shot them with lead. And I've seen a bunch of turkeys people shoot with TSS. They're still flopping around and the turkeys over here putt moaning and they're flopping around high five and talking about how great the hunt is. And I'm like, man, go get that turkey and grab him by the head, man. Please, God, snatch him by the neck and like you owe that turkey that, you know, and we don't know if the turkey, what the turkey's feeling because we ain't the gobbler. We don't know if he's feeling any pain, but I want to nip all that out as soon as possible. As soon as that air goes off, as soon as that happens, I want to get to that gobbler and snatch him by the neck. And it, I want it to be lights out for him because I, I owe that turkey. Um, but what I'll say about, you know, what you're talking about, Parker, is that's that's real. You're showing the reality of how tough a gobbler or a buck his will to survive is unmatched. Um, they, they give so much and, you know, you did your due diligence to recover that deer. Most people, it's crazy that people say stuff like that because most of these guys, if that had happened, they wouldn't even spent the money on the dog. They'd have went out there the next week, try to recover the thing. They wouldn't have cared, but you cared you're showing that you care. The fact that you're spending the money to get the dog out there, that you're going through all the crap you have to go through to recover that animal shows respect. And I think that's what's missing from from the social media side or 
any kind of media side of things these days. And hopefully we can kind of turn the page back to where, you know, people really respect the resource. Um, that's what I hope at least. And we can only do so much, but it's kind of how we, how we show it is very important. You know, I feel like, you know, it's interesting. You were talking about the difference, you know, it is 100% acceptable to show acceptable by the majority to show a turkey flopping around with his head, you know, just, you know, doing the thing that is completely yep. acceptable. Right. Yep. If we showed a deer doing the same exactly. thing, you know, I've, yep. I've, I've had, I've spine shot plenty of deer. I've had to put deer out, yep. uh, you know, does a lot of times you do that. They just ball and it's, it's pretty rough actually. Mm-hmm. It's a rough thing yeah. to see. Um, me and you had, we had a dialogue about that. Remember that Jordan? We had a conversation we, we about that, about a doe doing the same thing. Um, we did. We did. And, and, and it is completely acceptable for guys to show a turkey that way, but not a deer. Um, I'm like you yeah. in that sometimes I feel like I'll cut those scenes out of videos most of the time. Like right. I'm going to, I might have it flopping in the background or something. Um, I'll cut the majority of that out if I can. Um, yeah. but you know what, dude, like here's, here's, a, a an interesting perspective and maybe one where, where we might even differ and that's okay. Um, oh, yeah. uh, I have like a, 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 me and Walter, I know will differ on this as well, but I, it, I almost feel as if I'm not sometimes showing the truth, um, for shame, uh, for, or for fear of, of it being looking like it's done in wrong, in the, in the bad light. But the, the reality is, is as hunters in the woods, things happen. Um, situation, we make mistakes. We don't always hit a deer or turkey where we want them, where we want to. Um, right. you know, sometimes, sometimes it's, it's not necessarily anything that's out of the normal, but maybe a deer or turkey just bleeds more <laughs> than, than another one. You know, and and I have a, there's one side of me as like the guy who wants to do well in the YouTube and Instagram and in the algorithm. Like I want to be mindful of those things, but the other part of me is like, man, screw y'all for thinking I can't show this. You know what I mean? Um, like, because it is so real. Like I, I can't think of a whole lot of animals I've killed that there wasn't any blood on the ground. You know what I mean? Like it's part of it. It's, it's the, it's the truth. And so. Uh, like you said, I think we're going to have to, in the future, um, as this continues growing and as technology advances and as, uh, we're able to get even more detailed shots of these animals and, and pictures and video, uh, cause that's all that's going to happen. It's not going to get worse. It's going to get better. Um, we're right. going to have to find like where, where that line is. I feel like there is a line. There is a line that that right. you can get to. And we're going to have to find that, um, and I, I, right. I do feel that it's going to be more of a happy medium line, and not necessarily one that everybody completely agrees with. Um, right? No, I I totally agree. And look, I I totally respect you, Parker. I know you you, you have uh, done a good job at showing like the reality of things and respecting the animal, and and I appreciate people like you. You know, it's it's the Keith Warrens of the world 
showing the ape with the orange in his hand with it with the heart blown out you know what i mean it's it's that type of stuff that's the problem with social media and it, and i don't know if it's going to get to a point where we're going to we're going to get knocked out of youtube the hunters the ones that respect the resource are going to get knocked out and they're not going to allow any hunting because of of that type of well, angst they're they're this they're celebrating the kill not the not the hunt not the experience not the the whole thing like the kill is you you mentioned it earlier like you use a GoPro a lot like we get 360 kill shots all the time and or, or sometimes not anything at all um yeah. you know what i mean like Walt, uh, you could probably count on one hand how many actual kill shots between all four of us we got this deer season on the on a main camera yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, because honestly, dude, that, I mean, it's important. And if you got a cameraman, yeah, that's like part of their job to get that shot. And it is important. And we learn things from it, but it is not, it is not the only part of that video. As a matter of fact, I would rather have everything else and not have the kill shot because I feel like I can still tell a better story and, and share that experience because he, I mean, ESPN did it for years. They, they got away with showing hunting videos a lot without ever having an impact shot um, because it was right. just against the rules, you know? And so like, yeah, like I, I kind of use that and I hated it when I was a kid. Honestly, I really did. When I was a kid, I'm like, freaking show it to me. Show me that shot. Um, but now as an adult, I'm like, you know, yeah, th- it's not about that. It's not about the kill. Like I hate, I yeah. hate the f- fact that, so many people just fast forward the videos all the way to the kill and, and then don't watch the rest of it. Like, I think that is true across the board. That's what a lot of people do. And that, that yeah. hurts my feelings a little bit because I don't feel like they're getting out of it. What is actually there, the meat that's actually there. And it is not just about a kill. It is. And you're, you're right. proving that. I mean, the whole, the whole thing going about it with a bow, like it, if it were about the kill, you probably wouldn't be doing it with a bow. <laughs> I can imagine. No, I mean, there's a time where maybe I'll I'll pick back up a shotgun. Um, I don't know, man. I'll tell you, Kenny Morgan said it best. If no one's ever bought buy the book, um, a one man game by Kenny Morgan, and in that book, there's a quote there, and it says, "There's always a touch of sadness when I see a gobbler stretch his feathers for the last time." Wow. Wow. That, like, it makes me emotional just thinking about it because, like, man, I don't, I want that gobbler. He gave, like I said it before, he gave me his life. I want to give, I want him to have the most least pain possible. The least pain. And I'm not saying everybody, anyone that's watching here, I don't want to say you're the spawn of Satan because you let a turkey flop for, two minutes after you shot him and we don't know what the turkey felt. I'm not saying you're the spawn of Satan. I'm just thinking in my mind, I'm just trying to, <laughs> I'm just trying to be, I'm just trying to be mindful of that gobbler's life. Yeah, you know what I mean? Sure. And that's, that's just kind of the way I think about yeah. it. I'm just thinking, Hey, as soon as that shot's taken, I want to be on him. Like it's 1996 and we were shooting copper plate sixes for that, for the turkey. You know what I mean? man you're right dude well 
I think you share a lot of that sentiment as well, because around turkey season, it's like, I feel, Jordan, uh, you, you probably don't know Walt as well as I do, but whenever Walter uh, gets close to spring, um, starting probably a few years ago, whenever it really just clawed into his heart the old he got that he got he got a spur in his heart yep. and it never went away he uh it's almost like he's doing drugs during during the spring um like he starts saying stuff you're like you sound kind of like a drunk uncle right now talking about turkeys um uh, because it is yeah. it is a for you you know it has different things it has you it brings every time a turkey gobbles it brings back those memories from you know 96 i'm sure uh, you know, for me, every time I hear a turkey gobble, it does something different. It does something different for everybody, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but mm-hmm. man, what a, what a, th- like, I, I am with you a hundred percent on this. Like you said the word mystical a lot. Um, and there's not a whole lot better ways to describe it. Um, it is, it's, it's magical. It's a, when you see them walking through the woods, I don't care how many turkeys you've seen, how many turkeys you killed. You see one of them, especially, man, a hardwoods gobbler just walking through the woods. Oh. And it's like, it, it, it just takes your breath away. It's not, it's yeah. different than a deer. It's different than a buck coming in, chasing a doe. It's like a, it's a moment. It's a painting, you know, it's a, it is a, it, I hate to sound like a softy, but it's an emotional moment. Um, yeah, man put me in the mood yeah, bro i think there's i think there's yeah there's just such a unique difference between the two pursuits you look at the the and, and it's not it's not like we're placing a higher value on one thing or the other per se so much as it turkey hunting is such a visual thing it's such a cathartic visual i'm gonna go crazy uncle like parker said because he's right i definitely just like dude i just crack out on this uh, he's gonna start slurring his words yeah um <laughs> we're going to start talking about ground hunting techniques for turkeys. But um, <laughs> it, it's one of those things, though, if you if you think about it, when do you see that whitetail buck most often? Well, I mean, when did I get busted eating my OCP the other day? Last 30 minutes of daylight, right? It's dark. It's dim. Sometimes you're making these shots and you're, you're like, I hope he's legal. Like, I'm pretty sure I saw that third time, you know. But the exact opposite is often yeah. true for turkey, you know. <laughs> like, you're, you're sitting there. The, the sun's come up. <laughs> everything's lit up right it, the birds are talking because it's the first hour of daylight right it's everything is bright and i remember that 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 first bird i killed in that in that pine pine flat that was burnt freshly burned you got like the smell of the dew that's hitting the uh, the, the the charcoal that's on the ground you know and that yeah. bird comes around the corner and the sun is behind him and the tips of his fan is on fire and he is just hammering and hammering and hammering and he's getting closer and he's closer and there's this anticipation it's just different it's not better it is it's not better it's not worse it's not you know ones there there isn't there are things about whitetail hunting that really get me passionate but man when you talk about painting a picture i mean i've got one that i bought for the office that my favorite thing about it is i feel like it emits light everybody i show it to i'm like tell me this picture doesn't emit light it, it just, it feels like it does, you know, and it, it just hits you yeah. different, man. It just, it just is. Yeah. And there's, man, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a turkey hunter. <laughs> you get a couple, I mean, you I, get a couple, a few turkey hunters talking about turkeys on Janu- January the 30th. Yeah. And, uh, man, ain't no telling what you're going to get. <laughs> you know? Man, that's, that is, that's all I want to hunt. I just, 
I don't hunt them in the fall because just like, I just feel like, uh, that's a gobbler that somebody could experience in the spring for his first time, uh, the ability for him to pass on to the next population's success. Um, nothing wrong with it. It's just something I'm, I've never been, you know, um, wanted to, wanted to do, but yeah, spring, man, it's just, it's the regeneration of life, man. And that's what's so cool about spring turkey hunting, man. It's, it's the new, the new life. It, it, it's back to like our relationship with God and, and what he did for us and, and how, you know, we're, we're but filthy rags, but we're renewed in him. It, it's the new growth. It's everything that it represent, the spring represents. It makes it even more special. And I'm a pretty crappy Christian. But man, springtime, I'm in that Bible, man. I'm in that Bible. I need to do better. Uh, you know, God knows it. I know it. But man, I need to be in that Bible in the fall and the summer like I am the spring because the spring is just, it's spiritually in, in lifting for me in the spring, man. Uh, it's just, there's nothing like it. There's just nothing, nothing close to it for me. I respect the deer. Don't get me wrong. I respect their will to survive. I respect the animal, the resource. But man, like turkeys is such a mm-hmm. fragile. They're so fragile, and uh, and they need our help. And that's why, man. If somebody shameless plug here, if, if you're not a member of the, of the turkeys for tomorrow, that's uh, I probably shouldn't show that because that's their new logo going into 2024. So that's the first sneak peek at their logo. Probably I'll get in trouble for that. Hopefully not. <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, great organization. They're trying to help turkeys. Like we're trying to raise money for turkeys. There's those hunt raffles that end tonight. I know this isn't going to be posted uh, tonight, but yeah, the hunt raffles end at twelve o'clock midnight. And uh, just a great organization is trying to get get and get behind turkeys and and push forward science based solutions so we can attain long term long-term stability and sustainability for wild turkeys and that's that's big man we gotta we gotta help them you know not just hunt them but we gotta help the turkeys so uh tell me if i win this raffle do i have to hunt a turkey with a bow go with? <laughs> no 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 bring, please please actually bring your yeah you don't want me to bring a bow <laughs> Nothing would make me happier to see somebody roll up with a shotgun because I'm I'm all about having a good time and no stress. Yeah. Don't want stress. He says, "Do I have to use it?" So, yeah. I mean, listen, it was a valid question. Do I have to hunt from the ground? <laughs> Can you bring your staff? <laughs> I think legally you have to hunt turkeys from the ground. Correct? No. Is there a spring? Do you, can you hunt them elevated anywhere? I don't think. I don't know in Missouri. I don't know what they have to read the regulation. <laughs> regulations. <laughs> I've heard of people shooting them from a, a bow in the fall, but that just ain't for me. If it ain't sure. goblin, I'm not interested, man. Yeah. That's part of it. You know, you, you talked earlier about, I, I can't remember what you said. I, t- I typed a note here as you were going, but it was one of the things you talked about, like the, the, I think it was you or Parker. I can't even remember now, but the, the, the margin for success, like what do you consider a success? And I think it was like, at some point you're just desperate to see one. And like for me, and maybe this will change with time. I don't know. I just want to hear one gobble. If I can get one gobble, I I legitimately, it could come at 1 PM. It could come at right at sunrise. If I can hear one gobble, I'm like done. I'm, I'm set. I'm made like I'm happy as can be, you know? 
So it's like getting yeah, shut out. Yeah. It's like not seeing it. Man, I, I hate freaking drawing these parallels with deer hunting, but here we are. Um, it's like, <laughs> like if, if I see a deer, I'm like, okay, you know, successful day. I didn't get shut out. Like, obviously I want to kill a deer, but if I see a deer, like I didn't get shut out. You know, if I hear a turkey gobble, yep. yeah. man, we had a good day. We had, we hunted, you know, mm-hmm. there was something around that we could hunt and we know it was there. Uh, it right. feels like a good day. Yeah, man. I tell you, like, so for the main thing with me, man, when I think about turkey hunting and, and I'm telling you, I love to hear one gobble and I love to hear one close spitting and drumming. But to me, I think about turkey hunting is, is I got to be in the game. At the end of the day, I just want to be in the game. So if you look at any regulation book in the United States of America, it says spring turkey hunting season. It doesn't say spring turkey calling season. It says spring turkey hunting season. So if I, if I had to hear a turkey gobble in order to be on one, there's a lot of times that I wouldn't have shot a turkey because I look at it as I'm going to read the signs. So if I get like, for instance, I got to Minnesota, I got on this field, I scouted this field, I found fresh gobbler tracks coming out of this draw, hardwood draw off a big lip. I knew they probably, okay, they're going to roost there. So I see these fresh gobbler tracks, dozens of gobbler tracks coming off this one point, And this point came out to where it would hit the top of this field. And this field's big, but it's got lots of elevation changes. But there's this one main spine. And I said, that's where they're going to come out. But they wouldn't gobble. But I got on that and ended up setting up off of it, thinking I could put a hen out and they would come. They, You know what they did? They pitched down. I couldn't get a bow shot within the spine off the edge. So they came out, thought I would be able to call them up. Mm-mm. They went that spine, walked it about 600 yards out, went around a cove. So what did I do? I just bailed, grabbed just my bow, went down in a giant ravine, made a big swing on them, came up the other side, got up there to that big lip, came out to the field where it gets tight in the cove. About It was probably about 25 yards to the spine where I got to. I couldn't see more than... 25, 30 yards out in the field because the spine was at 30. So what did I do? I climbed a tree so I could see up over it and see the whole other side of that field. And I got to the top, nothing, no turkeys. So I'm thinking, okay, well, they ain't here. So as I'm climbing down from that tree, my rubber boots are slapping the bark. And when I got down off the tree, the turkey gobbled. He heard me flapping on that bark like it was a hen almost resituating on a limb or something and the sucker came right back out to the cove only thing i figure is he had those hens those hens went in the nest he was just mm-hmm. inside on the other side of that point 150 yards from me heard that flapping comes back out never called the turkey turkey walked the spine started spitting and drumming i called a little bit here he comes right on missed the turkey twice so calling has its place 100% and there's nothing more enthralling than hearing that turkey gobble but sometimes just hunting that turkey reading that sign and put it'll put yourself in a position to where you'll be able to experience the gobble and the strut and all that it's just little steps that unlock that to where bam now you're in his kitchen and bam Mm -hmm. he heard you crawl on that tree 
And now he's gobbling in your face when he wasn't gobbling for it. Because that morning, I didn't hear much gobbling, you know. But I kind of played into a scenario where, bam, now I got, this is the moment. Here's the gobbler. I drove 13 hours to hunt. And he's right here, and here I go missing him twice. That's on me. But dude, talking you know. talking about sign and reading that sign, man. Like um, last year, I think is probably this has always been something I've done, but last year I focused on it. Right, like like you said, if I if I was always just so concentrated on the gobble, I might not kill a turkey. Um, when you find that sign, and I, I think I've probably talked to Walt a lot about this too. Is like just sitting on it, mm-hmm. just sit on it. And if, if nothing yeah. else is going on, I, I'm saying if there's not a turkey gobbling somewhere else uh, close yep. by that you had a beat on, you know, like I'm, I I stay pretty mobile and I I walk around a lot and I call, you know, different points, whatever. But when I find that sign, I'm going to sit there if I feel like uh, Florida is a great example in those oak hammocks because there's only so many yeah. places a turkey really wants to That's hang right. out. If I find that spot, yeah. I'm just going to sit there. I'm going to sit there for an hour, you know. And just yep. and just light call. It's not going to be anything crazy. Maybe every once in a while, I'll do something harder. But like you said, that's what sets me up for success more times than more times than it doesn't because it puts me in the place and keeps me at in the spot where that turkey is going to gobble. Because how many times have we got up and moved, and an hour later you hear a turkey gobble in the spot you were just sitting at? Mm-hmm. Uh, Oh, yeah. It's a lot harder to call a turkey in a position or a place where he doesn't frequent that often. It's a lot easier to look up into a spot where he has already met hens in that spot multiple days in a row recently, recently. And he hears a call from that same area he has already met hens at multiple days in a row. That's that's where the sign I, I feel like. Uh, I'm no authority on nothing, but I just feel like that that's what my experience kind of shows is like you putting yourself in that spot where he's already experienced a hen turkey calling and he's meeting her and nothing went wrong and he bred her and everything's good. And then maybe you sound kind of somewhat like the hen that he just last met and then bam, it's, it's on. Ooh. Roll that beautiful bean footage, <laughs> you know. Well, I, that beautiful snood fo- snood footage. I got one closing closing That's question, it. Parker. Unless you got one, I've got I've got no okay. more. So my question for you is: You are willfully engaging in something that is going to have extreme peaks and valleys. I mean, turkey hunting as a whole has extreme peaks and valleys, and now you're taking it to a whole other level uh, by pursuing them with archery equipment. So my question for you is is simple, and I think this is something that is going to resonate with literally anybody who's ever pursued any big game species. How do you manage those peaks and those valleys? Like, how do you keep yourself not from just chucking your bow into the next deep body of water and, and get up the next day? Because it can kick your teeth in. Hunting can kick your teeth in. And you can you can put in a whole lot of really good effort and find yourself coming up just shy. And it's really hard to get out of bed the ne- that next day. So I'm just curious, how do you mitigate that? Thank, thank you, God, for another day. <laughs> yeah. I'm a worthless piece of trash. God, I'm a worthless piece of trash. Your plan is better than mine. You've already written the script, and it requires more faith in you. Uh, and I should be thankful and not complain that you gave me this opportunity, that I get to do something that people would die 
to be able to do. That's how I get through it, honestly. Uh, I think about what all God's blessed me with that I don't deserve, that I'm a piece of trash, and I look at, man, how many people would love to be able to sleep in the back seat of their truck <laughs> that have just enough money to be able to pay for their tags, that have great brands that stand behind me, like Onyx and Realtree, that that give me the resources to be able to just do I don't wanna I don't I don't wanna go hunt some jam up stuff somewhere. I just wanna go do me. I just wanna go go sleep in the back seat of my truck. I wanna drive to Nevada. I wanna drive to California or Oregon and I wanna just go turkey hunting. You know, and um and I have to think that way that like there's a lot of people that would die to be able to just have the opportunity to do it. And so that's kinda how I just have to go about it, man. I mean, um the valleys, man, like I drove to Texas and and ended up I missed like four or five gobblers, man. And I took my bow and threw it as far <laughs> as I could and got on eBay immediately. Like literally, I didn't show this in the video, but I got on eBay immediately. And I didn't show a couple of those hunts, but I got on eBay immediately after I chunked my bow in the mesquite and I got on eBay and bought a Matthews. <laughs> like the, like that day and it's not like the bow is like the secret ingredient but i just was looking for anything to give me any little encouragement to like you know but i think a lot of it is like the main thing i do when i'm going through the valley is i the biggest thing i do is i try to reset mentally it's a mental grind i try to reset mentally i will clean out my truck i will get the trash out of my little makeshift trash can in my truck. I'll clean out the truck. I'll swiffer it out. I'll sweep it out. I'll organize all my gear. I'll go back over my bow. I'll figure out, okay, do I have an air problem? Do I have a tuning problem? Do I need to, and that was a big issue for me last year. My bow last year was so out of tune because I got sexy with it. I was trying to use um, a big 12-inch wrap on my era. It was taking the FOC out of my era. My spine was just on the fringe of being right. I had a bunch of weight on the back of the era for OD Green, and my era was not getting a laser beam era when I was shooting. And I was noticing that in the videos when the era was kicking was kicking left and trying to straighten out. I was using crappy veins that were low profile, but they weren't catching wind right. They weren't the era wasn't. So I go back over everything. I got a good setup this year, but really that's how I that's how I try to go about it, man. I go over all my equipment and make sure everything's good. I try to reset mentally and then just think, man, God, I'm privileged that I'm here and that I'm gonna get through this and then your plan is greater than mine. And uh it's gonna make those moments where success happens. And probably this past year was one of my hardest years ever mentally. And you'll see that in the YouTube videos that are popping out here because at the very end of those videos, the very last stretch, man, uh, I got really emotional a couple times and that was real raw as it gets. And I decided to show it because it's, it's the reality of kind of where my mind's at through it all. And it's what those, those moments, man, they're so special. I wouldn't trade them for a million dollars, man. Um, so that's just that's just kind of how I try to 
compartmentalize it, I guess. You know, it's it's funny. One of my favorite phrases I've ever heard. I, I'm a big phrase guy. Like I like I like good quotes. And uh, Michael J. Fox is doing an interview for CBS, and obviously he's going through what he's going through um, right now with um, is it ALS? I think Parkinson's. Parkinson's. Okay. Parkinson's. Think. Yeah, Parkinson's, and uh, yeah. you know he he's still noted as being this overly po- positive, like jovial person who's just suffering immensely. And they asked him, like, "How do you stay so opti- optimistic?" And he said, "Optimism is sustainable through gratitude. If you can find things to be gratitude, uh, gracious, uh, grateful for." Great. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, little yeah. Biden moment there again. Um, <laughs> if you can find something to be grateful for, then, then the optimism comes with it. And I think that's why I set that bar so low, honestly, for the one gobble. Cause if I can hear the one gobble, then it's all gravy, right? Like yeah. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, everything else is extra. It, it's just, it's just extra. And I think, uh, I've talked about this on the podcast before. I think people set their bars for expectations a little too high and, and, and the bar should move sometimes. Like sometimes you just know you're going into a good spot. And so you should be a little more optimistic than normal. But if you find yourself getting burnt out, I think a, a lot of times it's because your expectations are here when the realistic outcome is more down here on a day in day out basis. So, um, dude, I am really speaking of, right. of uh, gratitude. I am grateful. You took uh, some time at your evening to sit in the car and, and talk with us and talk about Turkey. I, I am like fully in turkey mode at this point we had our final deer hunt this past weekend basically and uh, i will be deer hunting the next two weeks uh but uh, i'm basically going to be looking for scratch and sign and 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 doing some turkey scouting so dude where can where can people go to find uh, all this emotion you're going to be putting out in the next few videos just uh search youtube jordan k barnes it'll pop up should pop up close proximity is my youtube channel uh looking at probably doing a little rebranding uh this summer um you know but the name will be the same but yeah that's that's where they can they can find me at that's awesome man well i i appreciate the heck out of the time you took you carved out this evening and i'm looking forward to, to more video content there's only a couple channels i follow and I am uh, captivated by your. Uh, every time I see a video come out with you bow hunting turkeys, man, I'm just I'm I'm floored that you're still out there doing it. So keep it up, and let's let's get back on the podcast here soon again. Yeah, man, I'd I'd love to, and I'm just uh, very humbled to be on here with y'all, and really appreciate what y'all do, and I appreciate the type of content that y'all put out. So hats off to y'all. Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, man.